up there is her email address. On May 10th, which is Tuesday, at, from 9.30 to 10 a.m. is the Adoptive Moms Group. Meet uh, Presley Ridge. Meet with Nicole from Presley Ridge. And that is here, right? Dwayne, that's here. Right? All right. Spring High School Youth Retreat, that's coming up May 27th through the 29th. And that's going to be at the Wenzel Family Cabin. There's a $40 registration, and that's due by May 18th if you want to go. If you have any questions, I'm sure you can ask Kendra and Dwayne. Save the date, International Missions Interest Meeting. This should be good. I think I'll go. <laughs> June 17th at 7 p.m., come and meet with Alan and Rebecca to learn more about the international mission opportunities. That will be good. I encourage you to do that. Here at Good Shepherd. Also, save the date, kids camps coming up. And that is July 21st through the 23rd. July 21st through July 23rd. That's different from years prior, too, right? Somewhat. And the age for that is sixth, six years old through fifth grade. Okay, Alan, come on up. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just lift up Alan to you as he brings the word for, for us today. Lord, just fill him up with your presence, Lord. Just anoint him with your love and your peace and your joy. Just put yourself around him and just bless their home. Bless his time. We praise your name. Amen. I'd like to thank you all for honoring us last evening the way you did. Uh, what Rebecca and I do isn't for the accolades for moments like that, but... When we receive them, it's very special, and we appreciate it. Thanks. Today we begin our annual family series that we've had from Mother's Day to Father's Day for 25 years. That's a long time. That's a lot of Sundays talking about family, talking about marriage, talking about all those things that go into how do we strengthen marriage relationships? How do we strengthen and encourage each other as we're raising children? How do we, well, just so many things that we have covered over the years and will continue to do so. Marriage and family are important issues. Um, all of us, uh, all of us, all of our families are in process. And if you get to that point where things are looking really good, Here's what I know, at least as a pastor, I can tell you that sooner or later, I'm going to get a call, I'm going to hear that something fell out of place. Welcome, Dwayne and Kendra. <laughs> but life happens. Life happens. And so every year we come back and we take five or six weeks, depending how the calendar shakes out between Mother's Day and Father's Day, and focus and refocus themes related to marriage and family because 
after prayer for illness and finances. Marriage and family issues are just right up there as far as the prayer requests that we get on a regular basis. I know today is Mother's Day. Father's Day will be Transition Sunday, so we won't have a Father's Day focus. Or, and so I'm going to shift a little bit out of the Mother's Day focus. It happens to also be uh, the last time I'll be preaching here at Good Shepherd as a pastor of the church. And over the years, I've had a chance to talk a lot about marriage. I've had a chance to talk a lot about uh, parenting, about communication and those kinds of things. And just like I always have I've said for 25 years, when we talk about marriage, this is not just for those who are married. It's also for those who may get married someday. It helps to think through what are the keys. What are some basics? What are some things to keep in mind as you consider the potential, the possibility of getting married? As pastors, Rebecca and I have lived out our marriage in public here for 25 years. Uh, every once in a while, somebody will give us some feedback about how they've been watching our relationship. And, and, and there's a correlation for a lot of people in how they see us functioning together and the uh, integrity that they sense in our lives, not just our marriage, but our lives. And that's not true just for us, even though we might have a bit more public platform on which we live out our marriage. All of us have a platform where we live out that relationship. That relationship may be a smaller platform. It may be uh, family, extended family, maybe coworkers. It may be, but all of us have a, a, an arena where we live out our marriage in front of other people. And how we do that conveys to them the kind of integrity that we have in our lives. It conveys to them what God is doing and has done in our lives and in our families, our, our marriages. Rebecca and I are coming up on 47 years in July uh, of marriage. And uh, one of the things that... Just so you know, we're expecting a lot more years. But one of the things that just really... I, I struggle with is when I see contemporaries, that means uh, people in their 60s and 70s. I did turn 70. If you have Facebook, you saw that. Uh, most, most people aren't, don't get, aren't proud about their age until they're you know, mid to late 80s, then they start talking about it. You know what? I'm going to embrace it. I'm 70. I earned this hair. I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. We're all, everybody needs a scribe. And so contemporaries that are in their 60s and 70s, and, and I hear that they separated, they divorced, they, 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 they just didn't have whatever, you know, they, they just kind of went different directions, different ways, and I'm like, how can that even be possible? I mean, think about it. Somebody that you've lived with and had a chance to build a life with 
and you spend more time with that person than with anyone else, and you don't actually build enough of a relationship to get through years 30, 40, 50. Something went wrong. And in my heart, our heart for everybody here who's married or who would like to be married, when we do pre-marriage counseling and uh, we talk about the same things, is that you build a relationship that's going to cause that relationship, that marriage, to grow and be strengthened and become better. And it doesn't matter if, you know, like some that we've sat with that have been divorced and are remarried second and third time. It can be done. It doesn't matter what the track record has been. You can shift gears. You can build something worthwhile that is worthwhile, not just for now, but is worthwhile for eternity. Rebecca and I plan to be together for eternity. In fact, you know, some people have this, uh, they, 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 they think it's such a great plan. I, I shouldn't be telling you because uh, it, it, it might crowd it a little bit, but they have this great plan when they die and, and enter in heaven, they talk about meeting at the eastern gate. Do you know how crowded the eastern gate's going to be? Everybody's going there. Re Rebecca and I have agreed that when, when we get to heaven, we're going to meet at the dung gate. <laughs> Nobody is going to be there except us and maybe a few of you that, 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 that understand the concept of, I'm going to spot her right away. We're going to be at the same gate. We're not going to be spending a lot of time looking around. But I've got to tell you, we're happier today with each other. Uh, I guess that would be a way of saying we're more in love. But you know, we're, we're both happier today than we were 47 years ago. She was pretty cute 47 years ago, wasn't she? Wow. I don't know. That, 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 that took me off uh, subject again. I, gotta, I can't look at the pictures. But every couple that we have ever married, and probably everybody here who's married and who will ever be married, believes that their love will last forever. Haven't we haven't married anybody that said, well, you know, eh, we'll do this for 10 years and see what happens. Uh, give us five, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to you in a year, and, 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 and then we can talk about whether we want to continue. Now, everybody has the idea that this will last forever, but it takes work. It takes work. That's why we come back to this, because if we don't work at it and keep working at it, we will end up in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whether we actually separate or continue to live under the same roof. There are many couples who live under the same roof, and they, they might as well be divorced for all that living under the same roof means. This morning, I'd like to share one last key as, uh, uh, that, can, that can help your marriage grow and mature. And that has to do with purpose. The key is purpose. There's something about having purpose in your life together that makes a difference. A lot of people just live together. And they figure that somehow... Th Life is just going to be, you know, just follow through day to day, the, the routines and the routines and the routines. You know what happens when you have routines and you don't work at it and you don't have a purpose for where you're going? You end up with ruts. You end up with ruts. 
And if you get the ruts and they're deep enough, there's no way getting out. I grew up in Cuba, and, and in Cuba, the, the, in, in the countryside at that time, the, uh, they had a lot of sugarcane, sugarcane fields. And the way that they, they'd cut the sugarcane, and they'd take the sugarcane to, to the, the places where they would produce the sugar, and they would take them in, 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 in carts, and the carts would, they had oxen that would take the carts, and the, and, and, and the carts would have these big wooden wheels. And when they were harvesting, when they were cutting the sugar cane, sometimes it would rain a lot. And, and, and just imagine what happens to any road that's not paved, and none of those roads were paved. If you have big wooden wheels, and you have cart after cart after cart after cart after cart going down that same uh, uh, that, that same uh, unpaved road in the, when, with rain, with uh, uh, soft, the, the, the soil was soft. The ruts would get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, my dad had a, 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 had a, um, a station wagon. Anybody remember station wagons? Okay, some of the older people. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay, Walter remembers. But let's. <laughs> and, and, and we had, he, had, he had a station wagon that we would drive out into the countryside because he would drive out there and, and uh, visit different different uh, settlements of uh, workers that wor worked in the uh, um, sugarcane fields, and the trick was to find a way to get on the the the, the, the these dirt roads with one set of tires in the middle of the ruts and the other set of tires on the other side. Every once in a while, just move, get a little too close to the ruts. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor Patrick. <laughs> and get too close to the ruts, and the tires would just drop into those ruts and spin and spin and spin and spin. No traction, because if you have tires that are this big and ruts that are twice as big, you're not going anywhere. And so you have to wait for an ox-drawn cart to come along. I'd hook the ox to pull the car out because it's just not going to work. And if we don't have a purpose in our life together, if we don't have a purpose in our relationship and marriage, we're going to end up with these ruts that are so deep that sooner or later we're just going to get stuck in those ruts. And unless something dramatic happens to get us out, we just don't go anywhere. Purpose. Purpose. A healthy marriage will cause you to partner together with a common purpose, will enable you to fulfill God's purposes for your life. It's not about having the perfect life. That's why we get all these prayer requests about marriage and family, and parents and brothers and sisters and children and, and, and you know, just all kinds of prayer requests that come along because life is not perfect. It never is perfect. But it's about dealing with life together. If you have purpose, you can deal with life together. If you don't have purpose, you're not going to be going in the same direction. You're not going to be able to deal with life together like you should or you could. It's a continually growing process during a lifetime relationship. I mentioned this before and, and just say it again. One of the things that Rebecca and I do every year at our anniversary is we look at each other. 
And the question we have for each other is, are you happier with who you are this year than you were last? If our relationship is growing, we will both be happier about who we are because of the relationship. If you haven't gotten that in your minds yet, uh, uh, I have to come back and tell you again. Early in, in our marriage, we were at a very different place than we are now. We had to learn how to partner together. Uh, honestly, Rebecca did a lot more partnering than I did, <laughs> if you know what I mean. She did a lot more partnering. I think what uh, Carla said about her role here at Good Shepherd is a good indication of you know, just the kind of role that she took in our relationship. And I had to learn. I had to learn to be an equal partner with her in the marriage, in the home. There were many things that I was not doing. I wasn't carrying my, whole, my, my own weight. Over the years, we worked through that. We learned together. We divided tasks and responsibilities. And, 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 and there's something to be said about carp, uh, compartmentalizing the, uh, what we do in the home and in our relationship. Over the years, though, 47 years, there's some things that continue to be shit that, that Rebecca does, that she used to do, has always done, things that I've always done. But there are also more things that we do together than there were 47 years ago. Things are shifting. I've picked up some things that she used to do because I, I'm learning to partner better. And as we move forward, it feels more equitable in our relationship. But sometimes there are practical divisions that we have to make. It depends on stage of life. It depends on, you know, the children, the age of, if we have children, the ages of our children, uh, work commitments, uh, personal interests that we would have. But the purpose, the purpose remains the same. That's what I want to talk about this morning. The purpose remains the same, to build a lasting relationship to establish and run a household, to raise a family, to help each other grow and excel in areas we choose to pursue. Education, for example, Rebecca, while we were married and had uh, uh, teenage boys, she went back to college and, and finished her college degree. Uh, during a similar block of time, I went back to seminary and finished my seminary degree. Uh, we, uh, employment, we have shifted employment a number of times, and every time we've shifted employment, we've had to renegotiate things. But when we make those changes, we would, we would maintain the purpose, the purpose, the purpose that we have in our marriage, our relationship. Why? Why did we get married? Why do we want to stay married? Why do we want to be that 80 and 90-year-old couple that walks down the, down the street, that walks into, in, in, into the grocery store holding hands? Why? The purpose matters. God's intention, I want to go to Genesis 1 and 2. God's intention for marriage was to take two people and unite them with a purpose. So if you're following along in, in the handouts, uh, we begin with Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God created and united. Uh, the, God's purpose is to create and unite us with a purpose to take care of the garden in the case of Adam and Eve. Let's read that. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the, the earth. And the small animals will scurry along the ground. 
So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. See, God gave Adam and Eve the garden, the earth, and the animals to care for. It wasn't like they were getting a free ride in the garden, just show up and, and sleep and wake up and eat. They had stuff to do. That's why when you get to a certain stage of life and you have the chance to retire, let me recommend you don't just stop. You keep doing. You keep engaged with life. You keep engaged in ways. God created us with a purpose. God had a specific design in mind when he created people, and he instituted uh, marriage. And we can look at that uh, here as we go. But he designed us in his image, in his likeness. God, the creator. God, the creator. He designed us to be creators. He designed us to care for what we had responsibility for. God has a purpose for bringing two people together in a marriage relationship. And even though we start with as individuals with our own goals, we merge them with our spouses for, with a purpose or for a purpose. When Rebecca and I met, I was focused on, I was halfway through a, a math degree. Um, I basically had figured it could be a college professor or a math professor, or if uh, I would Another option would have been business. And those were the things I had in mind. That's where I was headed. Rebecca was drawn to social work because her heart was to help people, serve people in need. And so we brought, both brought our interests, we both brought our goals into the marriage. And as we merged that, things began to change for both of us. And we discovered things you know, about ourselves, about us together. And it developed into the purpose that we have today. The second point we read in Genesis 2, 7 and verses 21 and 22 is that uh, the, the, uh, uh, God's intention was for, to, for each of us with our unique formation and unique contribution to come together with a purpose. You see, you're not going to find someone just like you to marry. The closest you can ever find to someone who's like you, has the same culture, the same value system, the same experience, is if you marry your twin. And that's not something I would recommend. <laughs> just, just saying. Just, just, just saying. I want to make sure that's clear. But we read in Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the earth, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And 21 and 22. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out, of, uh, took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. You see, the biblical account isn't about the role of men and the role of women, about subjugating women to men, about the, the, uh, uh, those kinds of things. The biblical account here is very clear. The biblical account is that Adam and Eve were formed in unique ways. They were formed differently. They had a different formation in how God created them. And each one of us, God created each one of us with a different formation. We all have a different formation. And I think if we, if we miss that in this biblical account, 
If we focus on what so many have tried to focus about, what's the role of men and what's the role of women and how should we miss God's, the point of this whole story. All of us are created uniquely in a different way. We're all different. In marriage, um, that means that we both have unique contributions. I have strengths that are different from Rebecca's. Uh, I'm the math guy, so guess who does the uh, finances and budget? Rebecca's pretty good at the concepts, but she can get lost in the weeds with the details. And so uh, uh, it, we, she blesses me with that. <laughs> but we're different from each other. Our formation was different. The way God created us is different. And that's why we talk about, for example, opposites attract. They're strengths that God wants to bring together that cause us to be drawn to each other so that together we can be more effective as a team. In marriage, we are both formed in unique ways, our family of origin. I grew up in, in, a, in a somewhat conservative Mennonite family. Rebecca grew up in a nominal Catholic family. Those are different orientations. Those are different formations. Our personalities are different. The opportunities she had growing up are different from the opportunities I had growing up. And as a result of our different formations, it permits us to blend those things together in ways where we can team up and be stronger as a result. Opposites attract. They also complement. That's God's intention. To complement. It can also lead to disagreements and uh, over the years, I've talked about you know, those issues as well. We'll leave that go for today. But we have very different formations. And, and as, as you look at us, you can say, well, you know, it's a cross-cultural marriage. And so we have differences. And it's easier to see between us because of the fact that it is cross-cultural. But everybody, every marriage, every husband and wife, every time you date someone, just remember this. You're dating someone that's different from you. Think about it. It's th think in terms of it being a cross-cultural relationship. And, and not because of race or heritage or anything like that. Just everyone is different. You can look at people and say, well, they kind of look like they belong together. Well, you know, Jason and Christy have been together a long time. That's why they look like they belong together. But back in the day, Back in the day, huh? Uh, you can ask them about that. But all marriages are like that. Each of us is unique, and we bring that uniqueness to the relationship. And then it's up to us whether we choose to focus on the strengths that we bring together or just live, try to live and let live and see what happens. That's never a good recipe. It's a recipe for disaster in a in a marriage. Number three, God created marriage as for us to be companions for each other, to love and care for each other. We read Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And, and, and just, just again, we've mangled this story in an attempt to try to figure out hierarchy of relationships when this has nothing to do with that. 
Adam had a need. There was a problem. God produced the solution. And it wasn't women being subjected to men, being subjugated to men. It was women being added into the equation, women with men together as a team. Because we're stronger together if we're a team. Man's first need from God was a helper suitable for him, we read. But you see, this is not to be understood as a job description. I've heard sermons like that. And basically, they jump from that and make that sound like it's a job description rather than a problem, a need that God realized was there because two are better than one. A team is better than solo. See, see what I'm talking about? And when we start looking at this and say, it's a job description, we, we just lost the meaning of the whole story. We, we, it just, just doesn't work that way. The moment you go that route, you end up building that rut. When you start thinking in those terms, the rut gets deeper, and the rut gets deeper. God met those first two problems that the first human being had that he created. It was a man. Loneliness and need for a team. And when we talk about marriage, that's the two main things we need to sort out. How do you get along? How do you build relationship? Because it's to meet the need of loneliness a companion, someone who's in it together, someone that will be with you for life, someone that you can count on no matter what, someone that will be there until you're in your 80s and 90s, someone you can walk into Walmart holding hands with when you need to have orange sneakers in case you get lost. <laughs> but also someone that can be part of your team and that you can be part of their team. It's about team and companionship. Each one is shaped by the uniqueness we bring to the relationship, the strengths and the weaknesses, our, our likes and dislikes. And the way we walk that out will determine the level of companionship that we will have, the team that we will build. And it's not about how alike we are. It's about how we build the team with the strengths that we both bring. That's the key. There are many titles that we use for one another, titles that are helpful, titles that demean. And in our relationships, we need to recognize what those titles are, the way we refer to one another, because it identifies what that relationship is, what, what kind of companionship it, you have, what kind of team you have. Uh, we use a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, titles, for example, that are descriptive. In the church, uh, we would talk about pastor and teacher and prophet and, and those kinds of titles. Uh, uh, but it's not just in the church where we use those titles. We also have supervisor, director, operator, driver, dispatcher, ca cashier, nurse, teacher that define who that person is, what they do, what their role is in the team setting. What do you call your spouse? Think about it. Talk about it. 
You might be surprised in, in some instances that what you're calling your spouse isn't the most helpful and useful. It's good to change it. It's good to change it back. Uh, Rebecca and I also have other titles. Uh, our grandson, Pablo, often calls us Nana Grandpa. Uh, he'll call us, when he sees us both, he'll say Nana Grandpa. He sees me, he calls me Nana Grandpa. <laughs> does the same with Rebecca. Uh, that's just who we are. We're, but we're one. We're one, and he recognizes that, and that's how he refers to us. The words that we use, the titles we give each other in our relationships should be descriptive of who we are and how we function as a team. I love that title. I want to be Nana Grandpa forever. The fourth thing uh, is so that their strengths could combine for greater effectiveness in their shared purpose. Genesis 2.23. Adam was pretty happy. He says, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And then verse 31, as the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Okay, who was Adam's father and mother? If, if, if you have an answer to that, uh, you may see Dwayne or Kendra. I'm sure they'd be glad to talk to you about that. Uh, I, I'm out of that business now of answering that question. But what we find here isn't so much, you know, just, just, Step back a moment from some of the specifics that have been mangled in these passages and, and, and take a look at what is being communicated. And what we have here is basically the scripture saying Eve was suited for Adam and Adam was suited for Eve physically, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, relationally. In marriage, we both bring those certain strengths. And I keep repeating that. I want to make sure you get that. If you don't take anything else away from this morning, just remember that we all have strengths and we need to build on those strengths, not the other stuff. God's intention is that we team up in our unique strengths in ways that increase each other's effectiveness for a common purpose. Rebecca and I were called together with a purpose. When it comes to ministry, we are, it would be a foundational uh, team for developing churches and, and, and networks. Uh, now, because of our long-term role here, we'll probably will forever be known in this region as pastor and pastor's wife. That's uh, apparently that's the, 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 the title that, that, uh, that people have here. I don't know what they're going to do with Kendra. At least here, we call her pastor, okay? But that, that's doesn't matter how, how far we move, we, we, if we come back, that's going to be our, how we're recognized. Now, when I met Becky, Rebecca, I thought it was really cool. Uh, it's a beautiful name, but, you know, being a, a, a 60s, uh, 60s long-haired uh, <laughs> wannabe hippie, she says. I decided that Becky would be a, a, a much better name. And so I started calling her Becky, and, and people call her Becky. And, and every once in a while, we'll get, even this last week, we, we got a couple, she got a couple of phone calls from uh, friends from way back, um, Corina and uh, 
in, 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 in David. And, and they said, is Becky there? Well, as soon as someone says, is Becky there? I know it's from more than 25 years ago. <laughs> because when we moved here, she said, I'm going to be Rebecca. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she became Rebecca. Now, if someone comes and says, Becky, you're all probably looking around to see who, who are they talking about. But you see, the, the, the names, the way we refer to each other, the way that we describe our roles and functions can change as we move forward. And it's okay. I'll always be pastor, but, but, but honestly, I flow as an apostle and prophet. And you hear the stories and you hear the, 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 the stuff that comes back from where we're in the nations. And, and those are the titles that I am given. Rebecca would be the other part of that foundational uh, ministry that, uh, for building churches. Ephesians 2.20, which is a combination of apostle and prophet. Uh, what uh, uh, Carla mentioned this morning, Rebecca is, is a prophet and an intercessor. Um, she see, sees things. She sees things in the spiritual realm. She sees things and prays. And when she prays, things happen. That's a prophet. And when we go other places, it's obvious that that's how we flow. That's what we do. We're not do taking care of all the details. We're not organizing things. That is all that we do. And so we are acknowledged and recognized that way. Here, this region, if you call me pastor, bless God. I'll answer. And Rebecca's, you know, pastor's wife. You know, she's my wife. I'm pastor's husband, but no one's ever called me that. <laughs> but that's who we are. And uh, what titles we're given is separate from God's purpose. And so as you build your relationships, you need to remember, who are you? It's separate from how people see you, separate from how people perceive you. And the fifth one is, is to establish a more effective team than either could have been on their own. Genesis 2.24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Before joining and cleaving, there needs to be a leaving. And I never actually used that in a message in a wedding because it's pretty hokey. But, hey, i got to use it sometime. Uh, you guys are glad I didn't use that one. Yeah. But we leave our home. We leave that place that created our identity. We leave that to form a new home, a new household, a new identity. We go back to Costa Rica. People don't understand us there. They don't understand Rebecca because she's changed. We have become one. We go with my family. And they're like, hmm, it's not the way he used to be. Now, you can see that because of the cross-cultural aspect. But let me tell you something. I, my guess is that happens in just about every family, every couple that's here. That's the way it's supposed to be. If my sons would come home and they were the same they were when they were at home, it would be devastating. 
It would be devastating because that's a recipe for building more ruts. And we don't want that. So we leave father and mother, establish a new family unit. Our focus becomes one another. And we have friends and jobs and extended family that the level of relationship with them changes because they're lesser priority than that new relationship. If they're not, you're digging a rut. A few things to, uh, to help you think through as you spend time together as, as couples. Questions that can help you develop a common purpose. And it's on the handouts, and, and I just, just I want to put them out there. I want to read them, repeat them. I guess they're, oh, the answers are up there. That's good. Uh, but here are the questions. What are your passions? What, what are your personal passions? And then what are your spouse's passions? Do you really know what, is, what, what your spouse is passionate about? All right? I mean, those are questions that seem easy. But if you spend time talking, you may discover that those passions are different from what they appear on the surface. To what cause are you both committed? You've got to have some causes that you're committed to equally. You've got to have some causes that you're both in it to, together. Whether you're both in it to the same level or not, but you've got to have a cause. Why? Why? What is keeping you focused? Where are you headed? You might have, uh, have uh, two separate tracks, but they better be parallel tracks where you're both on, uh, going, going down the, those tracks together and are supporting each other on that. How do your gifts combine for the greatest effectiveness? And how does your current stage of life affect the way you can team up? Family stages, small children at home, maybe taking turns in a lot of things, work demands. There was a, a period of time, you know, some of you travel with us and, 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 and you really like the, the uh, advantages that we have because I'm a million miler with uh, uh, United. You know where I got the million miles? Traveling, just traveling like crazy while Rebecca was in college. I mean, I put a lot of miles on. It wasn't easy for her. I did that within the U.S. for the most part. I didn't get these long flights that add up the miles a little more quickly. But there's stages in life, and we had to sort that out. How do we make this work so that she can pursue her passion, so she can pursue the degree, so I could follow where God was leading me and do the things that God had set before me that we had agreed was God's call. And so we, we, we need to ask that question. How does our current stage in life affect the way we can team up? Work demands. Uh, need for personal space in some cases and so many other things that are part of this. And what types of activities energize you and your spouse the most? That's a question that if you think about that, talk about it together. When are you energized? When are you depleted? It can help you figure out what it is where you both are energized together and where one of you is energized while the other is being depleted and who has to pull the other along. This is all about teamwork. This is all about teamwork. Some steps to develop a shared purpose. And let me give you some that, that uh, have been helpful for us. Dream as a couple. Dream. Celebrate together. Uh, you must enjoy where you're headed or you better reevaluate what's going on. 
Remember. Hold on to those memories that bond you together. The stories. The stories. Remember. Be patient and flexible. Adjust as life changes. And number five, make investment choices. Choose where to invest your time. Choose with whom you invest your time. Choose the values upon which you build your life. Choose the vision that consumes your life and make sure that you're both in it together whenever we made changes. We were both always in agreement. We'd always come into agreement before we would make those major life changes because it had to do with what would consume our lives, what our purpose, how our purpose would be reshaped. So why is a common purpose so important? Four things. It influences, influences our activities. What do we do? What do we do? And if you know your spouse's passions, what energizes your spouse? It's easier to figure out what are those activities that you should be engaged in. Number two, it shapes our relationships, not only between you and your spouse, but with others. It develops our priorities, and it bonds us in our relationship. I know that this, this morning, um, Carla, I really appreciate your, what you said about Rebecca. As I wrap up this last sermon, I want to give Rebecca some recognition. Recognition that she's deserved and not always received. Recognition as a leader and a pastor in your own right. Not as a pastor's wife, although you are my wife. Not as a helper, as some would attempt to interpret out of Genesis 1 and 2. But a teammate. Not as a two-for-one package deal with me. But a leader and a pastor in your own right. Some time ago, uh, I heard your role being described as like a, a stay-at-home mom for Good Shepherd. Being on the job 24-7. Expected to do anything and everything taken for granted. And those who are stay-at-home moms understand that those who are working moms, you can get a you understand it as well, probably more than you're given credit for. And the truth is, that's a pretty good description. So I want to say to you, Pastor Rebecca, thank you for all you've done behind the scenes to make Good Shepherd function well, 
to make the ministry here look effortless. To carry the load when we hit tough times, and for example, during the COVID season. To make me look good. Thank you for picking up what others dropped. And when they were ready to try again for your grace in thanking them for their efforts, even though you carried things for seasons at a time. Thank you, Rebecca, for leading different ministries when they floundered. Or when ministry leaders made choices that disqualified them. For being one who breathed new life into those ministries, shaping and reshaping them. Several ministries more than once. Thank you, Rebecca, for praying so many of us, not just me, but so many of us through really, really tough times. Even when you were going through your own tough times. Thank you for caring for so many. And not only those who are here today, but those who came and went, often in ways that weren't particularly gracious. Thank you, Rebecca, for finding ways to make God's provision adequate here in the church and in our home. Yes, God provided, supplied miraculously. And we talk about that, but Rebecca, you were the one that made the supply stretch in our home and in this church. And I thank you for sticking with me during some difficult stretches. Rebecca, you are an ordained senior pastor, the first ordained woman pastor in the Hopewell Network. But you never insisted on being recognized that way because your heart is to bless and encourage others rather than draw attention to yourself. And because of that, you've been able to bless people, more people than you could ever know. You pioneered and broke through the stereotypes and prejudices against women in ministry and modeled what that meant. You modeled ministering as a woman not only here, but in the nations in such a way that both women and men look forward to your ministry. So today I want to say thank you. Love you as my wife. I also say thank you for being a team member, 
fully committed, fully engaged. And I honor you as a true co-laborer. For almost 45 years, 30 of them being years where you had no credentials. And the expectations were very different than what we're stepping into going forward. But I honor you as a co-laborer during those 45 years, a full and equal team member throughout. And as an outstanding pastor and minister in your own right. About four months ago, I was praying and blessing you, Rebecca, thanking God for you. And the Lord spoke to me in that voice that I've heard a number of times before, and he said, She's pretty fantastic, isn't she? And Rebecca, you really 